Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote-unquote wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company Morzap Productions and Management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists, programming executives, development executives, and A&R. Michelle Zeitlin is excited to share her tips and tools for success through her conversations mostly via Zoom during quarantine. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. Sometimes you'll hear the term casting agent, but it's actually wrong. It's antiquated. We now say a person is a casting director if they aggregate lists, put together submissions, and create opportunities for actors. But the actors are not represented by the casting agents because casting agents are not casting agents. They're casting directors. So in this conversation with Catherine Falcon, who is a casting director in Vancouver, you'll hear her talk about this. Please note that the casting directors do give actors amazing opportunities, very often it's their precast recommendations that will have a director or producer or writer have the opportunity to see and consider that talent. But they are not agents. They don't represent talent. Okay? They're called casting directors. And here we go with Catherine Falcon. How has the pandemic and this time of lockdowns benefited you, if it has, and how has it sort of held you up? Catherine, before we launch into that question, would you give me sort of a a minute summary of yourself as a casting director, how you proceed, how you work, and a little bit of your bio? Here we go. Absolutely. Hello. Um, I have, uh, I've been a casting director for about 25 years. Um, I started, I opened my business in 1994. So actually a little bit longer than that. And I started out doing commercial, strictly commercial casting. And then I moved on to docudramas. I did a show called Untold Stories of the ER for 10 years. And then we had all these other offshoots of Diagnose Me and things that were offshoots of that worked for A&E doing their biographies. And then I guess 10 years, about eight years ago, um, I started doing film and television. Um, So we've cast features, shorts, lots of movies of the week. Um, I'd say our two biggest clients are Lifetime and Hallmark. We do a lot of movies for them. Um, We have a lot of U.S. clients. And currently we... Since July, we've cast um, eight movies, so it's been quite busy, actually, Um, and uh, currently I'm casting a commercial, kind of like a U.S. national spot right now, Uh, so that's kind of what I do. I have a a casting partner that I work with. His name is Bim Noreen, and then I also own a casting facility where we have five other casting directors that work out of here, and they are a combination of film and television and commercial casting directors. So um, I guess what I would say is the biggest change is is that we're not doing very many in-person auditions. Today, in fact, we actually are uh, for a commercial, but most of our clients have asked us to do the the self-tapes and all that kind of stuff. So um, I I would say the, the pros of it, it does streamline it, 
you can stay at home, you collect all your tapes, you go through them, you send them to your clients, you go over them. And then generally we'll, uh, for the callback process, um, sometimes they will pass right from the initial audition. And sometimes they will cast um, after the callback for the more important roles. Uh, sometimes the director likes to zoom in and usually ev sometimes everybody is remote while we're doing the Zoom calls for the callbacks. So the smaller roles will just cast from tape, but the bigger roles we will usually have a Zoom callback. And sometimes um, if we don't have a Zoom callback, uh, they may also request that they just do um, a, another self-tape with notes. So the director will give notes and then they, they redo it. So um, if you're an actor, um, and I'm sure a lot of you that have been auditioning are doing self-tapes because I know a lot of my, you know, I mean, I work with mainly American clients, so I'm assuming it's the same there. So the self-tape is really important. Uh, it's a very, it can really work for you and it can work against you. So things, um, it, it's important for it to look professional. You know, I, I would suggest, I mean, I have a daughter that is an actor and I have a stepdaughter who is an agent and they have been, you know, you know, my, my stepdaughter has been kind of, I guess she's been agenting for about 12, 13 years. She's got some really big clients and, um, and the mainstay is, is that, you know, working, if you have a coach, if it's, Making yourself tape, I mean, for my own daughter, I tell her almost everything she auditions for. She, you know, of course she has to be prepared. Uh, she has her coach, she has her coach tape with her in a professional looking facility. And you have a reader that is a qualified reader, not, you know, not somebody, not your mom, not your roommate. I mean, I know it's really difficult for people. And so if you don't have any other choice, then that's fine. But, but know that um, it's quite competitive out there. And so you really need to be giving yourself the best shot. Lighting is important. The audio is important. Um, how, um, how you connect with the reader is important. Your eyeline is important. All those things um, are really, you know, important in getting the job because as you know, I mean, people always ask me, well, do I have to be off book and all that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, you kind of do because the truth is, is that if you're not, somebody else is going to and it's going to be the best person for the job. Yeah, so when I look at, um, you know, when we, uh, when I send out my breakdown, we get all of our submissions in and I generally, I may get per role, I might, uh, for film and TV, I might get 200 submissions. Out of those 200 submissions, I might see 15 to 20 uh, talent. So you kind of consider your odds that of course when you say you see 15 to 20 you mean you're calling back or you are shortlisting 15 to 20. i am like when i say that i'm actually asking them to self-tape or audition so 200 people i'm i don't i go through the 
the, the list of people. And of course, being casting director for this amount of time, there's a lot of people that I like that I know. Uh, other than that, I would go through their photos and their resumes. And that kind of stuff is really important. You know, it's, um, it's important that your photo be a good photo of you, but it also that it has a very, a likeness of you. So if, you know, of those submissions are actually turning into an audition. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty short list. That was kind of my guess. Well, I'm on the other side, obviously, as a, as a talent manager. I've been an agent and uh, and I'm also a coach for several of my clients. And so I everything you just said is absolutely uh, the same advice that I've been given. And being on the other side, I see it from the results. If my client, especially now that it's all self-tapes, is not completely off book, what's the point? Who needs to look down? Because if you're gonna do that callback with your directors and your clients, it's this, right? It's an as yeah. much eye, eye level connection because you don't have the advantage of walking into a room anymore yeah. and sort of the zhuzh and the it factor that comes with that, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I, and I do think the, uh, the eyes communicate the soul. Like the most important thing about your audition generally is your eyes and making that eye contact. Sometimes I say, you know, I will say, to, you know, think about it when you're looking at the reader as if you're trying to figure out their eye color. It's like, oh, you know, just the way that you are looking. Oh, I'm trying to figure out their eye color, the way you really look at them. Like you're you're trying to, to see, you know, see who they are. Um, I think it's really important that connection with the reader. That's why it is important that your reader be a decent reader as well, because it can really throw you off if your reader really is not, you know, I mean, an actor is great or your coach, but um, I mean, Number one is your coach. <laughs> That's the number one person that you should be reading with. If you can't, then of course another actor is still great. You know, I know in these you know challenging times, you have to do what you can. But uh, if you can be working with your coach, all the better, because they're also seeing all their other clients, and you know they're they're getting a feel. Sometimes they're getting a feel for even that particular script because they might be reading for a few different different people might be reading for those roles so they're going to be a little more familiar and they're going to be also kind of thinking the same way as you and I think with the coach um, is important um, I find when my own daughter goes to an audition you know my idea is you know two heads are better than one you know if two people can attack the script and and the sides and take a look at it and go oh, okay this is how I see it because generally two people might have a different take and sometimes there's magic in working together because it's like any great partnership you know it's 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 the combination of two heads going well i see it this way and and making bold interesting choices is really important you know sometimes people are going well i don't know what they're looking for maybe they're looking for this and, you know and and truthfully people always say you know well what's what's the big thing you know we don't necessarily know i mean i'm a casting director i'm not a coach um and i'm not trained to be a coach i mean i can give my feedback i do you know acting director casting director workshops but i do not claim to be a coach or somebody that is highly trained in that area but i certainly know what i like and um a lot of times i don't necessarily know what i like until i see it and i go wow that really worked whether it's comedy or drama or or you know just the way that they connect to the scene and you're just like oh that's 
that's how that's how that works and the director feels the same way the director likes to go through all your tapes and they're doing the same thing you know they you know there's a writer they're just getting familiar with the script as well sometimes when they come on board because right now everything has been really fast and furious it's like i find out i'm getting something and then i usually hire sometimes even before the director's hired and sometimes not but you know and then the director's you know getting up to speed and you know as they're going through the audition tapes they're starting to learn what they like and what they don't like and how they see the character and it's not necessarily always exactly how they originally saw the character um you know a great film is about interesting people interesting characters interesting actors and there's one thing to be real but it's another to be interesting you know people want somebody that is watchable that's tangible that's real but that's also interesting exciting you know you love to love them you love to hate them but you've got to feel something and you have to know the tone of the piece and since you do a lot of lifetime and hallmark those are very specific templates mm-hmm. right yeah they are I asked Catherine about her origin story, if she had a unique adventure getting into casting, and what she shared was she was actually a cheerleader, and then because of the cheerleading, it led to doing some promotions and special events, and the promotions and special events led to doing these big arena shows where she had to get involved with lots of extras, and that got her a job working in extras casting, and from extras casting, she got hired to work with an ad agency on a bunch of commercials, Voila! A whole new venture. So I'll let her tell the rest. It's funny, I didn't even contact anybody when I left. And, you know, kind of one of those things where you say you're leaving and they're like, okay, we'll follow you out the door. <laughs> But it was funny, I did get a call from one of my clients that worked um, at Ogilvy and Mather in Los Angeles. And she said that she had a project and she wanted me to do it and I said I'm like literally leaving my office right now it's a bit weird and she was like okay um I've got your cell I want you to start next week and I was like I don't even have a studio I don't have anything she's like you'll figure it out you'll figure it out and I was like oh boy <laughs> but I'm glad that I did because of course I kept that contact and then numerous other contacts at that advertising agency and Ultimately, I ran for 10 years after short not shortly thereafter, but I worked for they had the post serial and they had the Barbie account and all that sort of stuff, but I uh I did also during my commercial casting life, um I cast all the Mattel Barbie projects for 10 years. And that would comprise of about 50 to 70 commercials a year. Wow. And um and so it was kind of it, it was a an enormous campaign. It's funny I had a yeah, a, um actually the head of production, he had said to me because I had done quite a bit of work with that particular advertising agency and he was like, "What do you think about taking on the whole Mattel account?" And I was like, "Ooh, that sounds pretty big." And um actually his uh he's at Rhythm and Hughes now um and uh anyway he was he was only there for about another like i don't know maybe eight weeks which was kind of funny he hired me to do this job and then he had moved over to another company 
but um, I continued doing that and went, you know, there was about three different heads of production that I worked with and I worked with all these other different you know, agency people and it actually was a really good experience, but it was about 10 years and it was kind of crazy. That's when, you know, all those Barbie was, you know, and Mattel was at its height and, um, you know, things have changed a lot over the years. Yes. Um, but at that time, one advertising agency pretty much had the entire account. You know, later down the road, it did get broken into. And then, you know, then there was this fight between Barbie and Bratz. It was kind of interesting <laughs> because Bratz came along and, you know, I know the creative directors had I know that war really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, you know, that was also part of, you know, um, my career and, how all this kind of how this started so my, my my job has of course changed numerous times but yeah i think that if i didn't have that yeah working for that extras company is what started me off on this journey of casting so i always flip the uh, the script for actors because actors think that the casting director is judging them or they make the decision and i'm like there's always a hierarchy casting directors hired but they have to fulfill their obligation, a certain number of people they need to, you know, show to the director, producer, ad agency, whoever it is. At the end of the, the, the day, I think a lot of your job is also sales. You have to sell yourself yeah. to whoever is hiring for that for that project. And, you know, it's like the, you know, uh, Janet Jackson's song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? You're only as good as your last gig or the last few because yeah. everyone in this industry is always what's current, what's new, who's hip, who's new, who should I know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, um, that is very true. And yeah, we are the same as everybody else. We are just getting hired based upon our last jobs and our, you know, and, and casting it successfully is important and making good relationships with our clients. Um, you know, I look at us as being kind of an intermediate person because we don't represent anybody. We work for ourselves. People always say, oh, so you're a casting agent. I go, get rid of the word agent. <laughs> agent means you represent people. I don't have anything like, I, you know, people are always like, oh, my, my child. But I'm like, look, I'm not an agent. I, that's not what I do. It's a very different job. But, you know, really our job is to keep good relationships with the agents and the managers and our clients and yeah we are ultimately working for the network and the clients um you know we 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 just we we look to them to keep them happy i mean it's yeah. really they're the ones with the money and they're the ones that are hiring us so uh we you know carefully listen to what they're looking for um, and yeah, you know, people will say, oh, well, do you fight for actors? Well, of course, if we really think that a particular actor is right for the job and that maybe that they've missed something, we will definitely give them a push. But what ends up happening is after we, you know, ask, hey, let's say 20 people audition for that particular job, then it's kind of out of our hands. So once it goes to our clients, they go through it and they go, I like this person, I like that person. Like we have a, you know, our casting site and they will check off or put notes, you know, to who they like. Um, so really we can give people the opportunity, but that's kind of where it ends. Um, and, uh, and, and then even after that, I mean, there's a few different levels. So it goes, so we will request them to tape 
um, you know, no, in normal time, they will come into audition. Then it goes to our clients. The clients make a decision on who they like. And then on the usual process, there's a callback. But now, sometimes yes, sometimes not. Um, but then we'll, um, it'll be three choices. And then even with our client, the network does make the ultimate decision. So they will say, here's our first, second, and third choice but the, they all have to be signed off through the network. So, you know, really, no, we are not, um, yes, we might be able to create some opportunities, but we're not making all the dreams come true. We're just part of, we're spoke in the wheel, like everybody else. Right, but in, in terms of the relationship and, and how you do play a part, like you said, you have, might have 200 online submissions, but there's 15 to 20 people who are gonna get to tape. So that is your decision that's your office's decision and i imagine that comes down to the trust factor that you've developed with the agents and managers to know they're not going to waste your time yeah absolutely 100 percent right as there are um uh, agents that um are not as skilled at at uh, going through their people and they so you're kind of like if you're seeing some new people you 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 know you're you know and, and we do you know we do listen to the pushes and stuff like that if we get agents going hey look i know you didn't ask for this person but we're we're pushing for them and generally if we like the agent and if we you know a lot of times we will say yes unless we're really specific about that and it doesn't work but a lot of times we'll say yes if we if we really um believe that that agent knows and a lot of times that you know it'll be somebody then i'm always like happy to see people that we haven't seen before um you know if it's for a supporting role or a lead you're not likely to get an audition unless you have a pretty substantial resume successful personality traits that you think have helped you in this job um being flexible um uh, being personable because you're always working with people um being a good business person yes um because you are managing your own ship um and um being intuitive with people um, having a good eye, I mean, that's something that just can't, you can't just, you don't know until, you know, I mean, it's also you have a trained eye after you've been doing this for so long, but also just having a good eye and good feel for talent. When people come in and go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, we, we have the kind of advantage of casting commercials and all different types. So we can see, we have been able to see the people coming up before you know before we've cast them generally for you know film and tv we've seen them in other roles like commercial roles and go yeah that person's got good instincts they're good actor and then we can kind of give them opportunities on some of our shows if we see that they're submitted we think that they're good actors um but it's really um it's a combination of a lot of variables it's it's a tough um in Vancouver, it's definitely a tough job to get. And the reason being is there's really not that many casting directors. Like in all of Vancouver, there are probably, hmm, there's eight commercial casting directors and there's probably 14 to 20 um, uh, commercial, uh, um, 
film and television casting directors. So that's not a lot of jobs. So your best, your best in is working as an assistant. My my casting partner and I have been working together for 16 years, and so it's kind of an interesting, interesting how they got it. Like, well, so he's now my casting partner, so he's also casting director. But um, JJ Ogilvie, who is his best friend, he actually worked for my old studio, which was Second Ave Studios. We just moved up the street because they demolished the building. But um, he worked for the studio and one of the casting directors that would rent uh, from us really liked him, like, like JJ, and got him, asked him to work as his assistant as opposed to working for the studio. So we lost JJ and then Bim came in and he had uh, he kind of walked through doors and goes, hey, my friend, says that you know you're looking for people to work for the studio and I was like oh okay and I was like well who's that he was like oh it's JJ JJ is the one who also now is working on CW shows who's a casting director so um, he of course came in as an assistant while well, he was just working for the studio became an assistant now he's a casting director as well but same thing with Ben he started working for the studio and then developed a good relationship with myself and my stepdaughter at the time was working worked with me for 10 years and they're the same age range and so they became really good friends and then when my stepdaughter left and became an agent he became my main person so anyway 16 years later now he's a casting director so I mean that's like a long journey from you know being the camera operator to being the casting assistant to being the casting director but that's a typical way of how these things go that's generally how people become casting director um, That's training in a mentor system as well. I mean, you really take someone under your umbrella and they and you have to trust them and they have to trust you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 trusting with the client base too, because you you know, they're they are privy to information that people are not and your client base, I mean there's lots of stories where assistants are all of a sudden taking over, you know, and taking over the client base because that's just kind of how it goes sometimes as well. So um, I've been fortunate enough to continue to work with the same, you know, a lot of the same team that we've decided that it's better to work together as opposed to, you know, being competing. It's just like the studio where uh, other people will say, I don't know how you have all these casting directors that work in the space and they're not like fighting over clients and this and that. And I'm like, well, we all generally have been doing it for a long time. We have mutual respect. Um, we realize that, you know, sometimes if a client that we've worked with starts working with another casting director, um, you know, we let that person know. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's funny, this even happened to me the other day. I'm working on a, uh, a TV commercial and I explained to them that it was going to be difficult, th that my challenges were greater than normal. And the reason why is they were look, they're looking for somebody who speaks Spanish, but is um, not Spanish, that is, is white. I mean, because we have the Spanish component as well. And, um, but they have to, they have to be able to speak Spanish and they have to be good actors and they have to fly to Mexico in the middle of a pandemic and then they have to quarantine during Christmas and New Year's. And I was like, okay, these are different circumstances. Yes, we'll be able to find the people, but I'm just trying to manage expectations. So anyway, with my little discussion, they, the director 
decided to call another casting director and uh, was worried that, oh, well, I don't think so. And so anyway, she ended up listening to the same thing. She, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can cast that. And it was like, oh, 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 I see. Oh, and he was like, and who did you, and who exactly is this that, that, that you, that you, you are already working with? And um, he said, oh, well, Catherine Falcon. She was like, Catherine knows what's up. I would tell you the exact same thing. So I'm not going to be able to, we, we're drawing from the same pool. So this is where these good relationships with other casting directors go because they know other casting directors like, well, I know her work. I would say the same thing about this particular casting director because I know she's a good casting director and me taking over her job, just be seeing the same people. So anyway, I'm still doing the job. Everything's seemingly working out, but that's kind of, you know, we don't look at it like, oh good, I, I've got one. You know, we, we generally support each other, you know, unless they're really like different circumstances and you're like, oh, well maybe I could have, could see it differently, you know? And I said to this other casting director, I said, look, Hey, if it doesn't work, I don't care if you do, because I like, I know, we both know what, what, what's available. You know, we send it out, we get the same submissions, we see all the people. So um, I'm like, I, I'm not going to feel threatened if you decide to do a day on it. She was like, well, I don't think I am anyway. And it sounds like they're just going to continue with you. But I have a question based on my own experience being uh, an, an agent years ago and now being a talent manager. Is there a truth to how you systematically look at the submissions? Do you have like your William Morris, your ICM, your UTA, and then your little Bob's Big Boy Agency? Or do you open up all of the submissions based on the actor's faces? In other words, are you opening them up and considering based on the agent's submission? or? Are you seeing the actor's faces first? I try not to look at the agent when I do the first run. I really try and actually ignore it while I'm checking people off. And then on my second go round, if I'm like not sure about people, um, like usually I'll take a look and if I think, okay, they might have a good look for this role, then I'll look at their resume. I don't look at the agent until later, until I'm in my final weeding process, because I don't like to be swayed by that. Because it doesn't really matter if you, you know, it's funny, I just had somebody message me about something, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, staying with my agent, blah, 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 but I'm, you know, I'm not sure. And I just said, look, okay, there's there's a few rules of thumb. If it's, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. Um, I talked to my, friends that are talent agents and they lose these big you know these clients like I you know my, my um, you know some people that are really close to me that have recently lost some big talent due to the big agency you know UTA like you know ones in the states um, but it is kind of sad because basically that agent put all that time and effort and it's kind of weird. It's like, I understand from the agent's point of view, it's like, I have done all this. I believed in you when you were nobody. Now I've taken you to this point. Now you've got your big break and now you dump me because the big boys are after you. Like, does that even make sense? No, you know, because you just become a smaller fish in a bigger pond. So if you've got, if you've developed a relationship and it's working and you're, you know, agent has been fighting for you and believing in you, why would you leave? It's kind of also a crappy thing to do. 
you know, I'm not just saying like from a business point of view, but personally, I think that's a crappy thing to do. And when I see talent going from agent to agent to agent, I'll usually talk to that agent and go, so this is the third agent that I've seen the last couple of years. Like what's up with that person? And then I usually find out. And a lot of times those people that are a nightmare to work with, when I say, you know, very needy and very, um, you know, talent, they do the same thing when they get to set. I mean, I'm not saying always, certainly they can, you know, seem to button it up, but people are who they are. So people that are not very loyal, um, they continue to be like that, you know, in other areas of their life. And I'm not saying that there are not reasons why talent sometimes have, you know, good reasons to leave their agent. But once again, you know, talk to your agent first, particularly somebody that is supported and grown with you and really understands you, you know, to, you know, it's like seeing a therapist and going to having a great relationship with your therapist and all of a sudden you leave your therapist, you got to start from square one again. I mean, yeah, if, if, if it's broken, okay, I get it. But if it's not broken, don't, you know, don't trash your agent and move on to somebody else. Um, because casting sees that too. We don't really like that. It's just kind of a crappy thing to do. That's a really great point, And I appreciate that because I'm all about loyalty and integrity. And my clients tend to re-sign with me over and over again. You know, we start with a two or three year contract and most of my clients want to resign, but it's on the other side too. I've had to let go of clients just because the communication wasn't good or I didn't see responsibility or auditions didn't get done as well as they should have been and meticulously done and prepared. And I have high expectations and that's why I have high standards. that you would like to offer to our listeners rem reminding you that we have a couple big pods of listeners the 18 to 24 year old aspirational artists actors authors activists and then the pivoters the people who've been in the industry either something you want to say to your comrades in arms your colleagues or to those people aspiring to either be actors and learn how to audition for a casting director or there's people who might want to be a casting director is there any other you know golden kernels you can offer um well i think just you know i mean during this time um be kind to each other be safe do your best work you know put in you know more effort you put in the more you're going to get out of it um it is really you know it's some difficult times for sure for a lot of people uh people are in this together but i think the thing is is this collaborating with all your people you know if you're an actor um I don't know, I um, I find great comfort in collaborating with my people. Like we kind of have a once a week meeting with all the casting directors, whether they're Zoomed in or whatever, just checking in with people, seeing how people are doing, seeing what's working for people, seeing what's not working for people. Uh, I think that is a, a, a good thing to do. I think that's, you know, consistent with actors too. Um, you know, health-wise, just take good care of yourself, you know, go for those hikes, you know, whatever you can do to keep physically active. Um, I know mental health is a, a really big issue right now um, with people because people are in and people are scared and people are fighting over a lot of different things, you know, even more so in the U.S. than here. Um, it's, it's hard for people. So, um, 
yeah, really, that's probably all all I have to say. And then if, yeah, just with, with, with all professions, with whatever you're doing, collaboration is always key and wonderful, you know, to do and keep on talking, you know, and, and, and talk with your people and talk honestly, you know, people, it's, it's good to have honest conversations, you know, without being confrontational, but honest conversations are, are really good to have right now with people because a lot of people are feeling the same way.